Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to yet another Outer Hour. I'm your host, Tom London. Thank you for joining us. Outer Hour is on air every Wednesday at 7 p.m. where we bring you the Outer Team, and sometimes we have uh, extra guests. Tonight, we have some of your favorites on air with us. Uh, that includes, our lineup includes, Stefani Fick, everyone's favorite advocate, Rudy Heineke. Rudy is no stranger to the Outer Hour, and Faisal Davids, who is becoming a regular, will join us this evening. So, what we normally do when we start the show is uh, we say hello to each other. We'll take a minute or two to do that in a moment, so I'm looking forward to your comments. Pop them in the comment section down below. That's the easiest way to get your comments seen by the outer team and on the screen so that we can pose comments and questions to our participants on the show tonight. The topics this evening, the Falcon 50 trip to Zimbabwe and what does Outer have to say about it. We will also be talking to Stefani Fick about Dudu Mieni's appeal process and we will have a great conversation this evening with Rudy Heineke about state capture. I'm sure our others, uh, other panelists will get involved in that discussion as well. I know the country has been talking about it over the last couple of days, if not the last week. So do get your fingers ready as you prepare to get involved in the discussion. Obviously, we look for your comments. We look for your questions, so if you have questions, if you have comments that you'd like to put to the outer team, then do write them in the comments section down below. We're fast getting to my favorite part of the show where I say hello to people from all over the country and indeed all over the world. But let's start off by saying hello to the team. Stefani Fick is on board. Good evening, Stefani. How are you? I am well, and you, Tom? It's always lucky to be here. So how's it, everyone? Looking forward to this evening's menu, if I can call it that. It's going to be a great discussion. It's always good to see you and always good to see that smile. Rudy Heineke, how are you, Rudy? It's been a while since we've had you on board, and we're going to chat about uh, state capture and corruption arrests in that segment. How are you, Rudy? Are you well? Good evening, Tom, and good evening to all the supporters out there. Nice to be back. Yes, uh, I think it's a great lineup tonight and looking forward to the, to the next hour or so. And Faisal Davids joins us via our Zoom link. Hello, Faisal. How's it going? Hi, Tom. All good and you. Um, nice to be here and good evening to all the viewers out there. Lucky to see you, Faisal. Okay, let's start with a couple of hellos quickly and see who was on board first this uh, evening. Jeff Scott says, good evening, Outer. And uh, Outer Robin Hoods, I like that one. Tony Peterson says, good evening, Tom, and all the and all-time faves. Hello, Stefani Fick is on board. Well, you can see you can communicate directly with Stefani in the comment section tonight. Uh, Michael Fanikak joins us. Devotion Mudley, a regular viewer on the show, is on board. Uh, Ulandi Exner is on board. Ulandi says, hello, hello, hello. Brendan Slade says, Brendan Slade says, lacquer Altarians. Roland Krabenhoff says, hi all, with a wave. Uh, Clive Davis says, good evening team and viewers. Hello, Clive. Thank you for joining us. Ram Govender says, hello, all good people. Hello, Ram. Good to have you on board with us. Anna Gibbons says, hello from one of my favorite cities in the world, Cape Town. Anna says, hi. Yochi Fulun says, greetings. Hello, Yochi. Good to have you on board. Robert Brooks says, hi all from Camus. I hope you're all well. Lovely part of the world. Thank you for joining us, Robert. Do stay with us for the entire program. Donnie Hayward represents, as usual, the East Rand in the form of Kempton Park. Judy van Gilspeik, regular viewer. Hello, Judy. Good to have you on board. Everyone wants to know where Clive is. Where's Clive? Is he hiding from us? The moment I see Clive's comments, I'm going to pop it up on screen, I promise you. Tony Peterson says, why the scare tactic with Magashule? I'm sure we'll get into that in the discussion tonight. Heinz Brunner says, good evening, team. And Stella Bean says, good evening, Outer. Looking forward to the next hour. Uh, by the way, when you see Outer on screen, that is either Samantha van Nispen, the head of comms and marketing at Outer, assisted by, that's why I say either, could be Ivor Cleary. 
representing Outer in the comments section. This show is put together by Banele Sanatla. And we've got two more hellos quickly. We'll, that's the, we'll finish the hellos there. Esme van Heerden says, good evening. How the devil did that flight get the green light? That's our first topic tonight. We'll be discussing that in just a moment. Don't go anywhere, Esme. Danny De Silva says, hi from Rudaput. That's where I live. So just around the corner from me. Good to have you on board, Danny. And John Oscar says, good evening all. Remember, your comments and questions are valued and wanted in the comments section down below. And the way we get this broadcast out, is to like and share. So the more likes, the more shares we've got, the more South Africans inside and outside of our borders get exposed to Outer Hour and get a bit more savvy when it comes to corruption and the fight against corruption in South Africa. Okay, let's start off with our first topic this evening, which is the SAAF or SANDF flight to Zimbabwe. There's been a lot of media coverage over the last couple of weeks about this flight. Um, there were reports in the media that uh, ANC delegation were on board. It wasn't uh, just a government flight. And then there were reports that came out that said, okay, well, hold on. We know that uh, we went on a, a free ride, so to speak, and we should pay for it. So apparently there's a payment that will be or has been made. But to find out more about this, let's chat to Faisal Davids, legal project manager at Alta. Faisal, what has the minute? Just take us back, Faisal, but paint the picture for us. I mean, we've, we've been reading about this in the media, but w what happened and why, why was it a misstep, so to speak? Um, so, Tom, the most of the fans, Mapisa Nakakula, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, she um, breached the code of ethics by chartering a flight to Zimbabwe during the COVID um, national lockdown regulation too. Um, she took ANC delegates with her to, to um, assist the counterpart in, in Zimbabwe to have a meeting. And um, yeah, she breached the, the, the ethical obligation. But this is not the first time that she's done this. In 2014, she chartered a flight also to the Republic of Congo and brought the Burundi woman over into South Africa, which did not, um, and she didn't have any passport. So a criminal complaint was filed against her um, with regard to the Immigration Act. Um, no steps was taken against her by the NPA. Um, a report was made to the public protector also, no action was taken. And this is the second time that she's done this, um, Tom. And um, yeah, so um, um, President so Ramaphosa then um, said that she should um, pay three months of a salary into the Solidarity Fund as a penalty for a breach, but out of saying that this is the second time and she should be moved as a minister. Let's go to a question from Esme van Heerden quickly, shall we? Esme asks, good evening, how the devil did that flight get the green light? Who is responsible for authorizing these flights? How did it happen? Um, so, Tom, according to the Defense Act, the, the minister does have the final say, however, she needs to get the permission of the president. I think she she surpassed the, the, the step of getting the permission of the president and just took the final step into Ireland and then chartered the flight to Zimbabwe. What, in your opinion, needs to uh, happen? Or, or let, let, let's go a step back and, and just talk about legislation for a moment. Did the minister breach any legislation? Um, it was more an ethical obligation, Tom. As a minister, she took an oath in Parliament to, to upkeep the best interests of, the, uh, of South Africa as well, and she, she failed to do that. So it was a breach, a breach of her ethical obligations and the Ethics Act within Parliament. It wasn't necessarily a breach of any other legislation, per se. And uh, you mentioned that the president sanctioned her, docked her salary. Uh, has, she, has she been sanctioned uh, in, in, in any other way apart from, uh, from that? Um, not that we are aware of, Tom. We have written to the office of the president seeking clarity on this issue because, um, as we know, she just had to pay three months of the salary into the, salary into the solidarity fund. Um, we're not sure if further disciplinary actions will be taken against her or what will happen. But we calling that she be removed from office. Faisal, uh, is is the sanction and um, uh, the, uh, the 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 docking of pay not enough? Is, is that not sanction enough? Absolutely not, Tom. I mean, if this was the first 
the first um, time that she's done this, then by all means. But she's abused authority one too many times. Um, it, it's alleged that in 2014, when she chartered a plane, it was for her son's ex-girlfriend or or some relation to a son mm-hmm. where this girl was abused by her father and she chartered the plane and organized an illegal document to get the woman into South Africa. So I think she's abused the power too many times. Michael Vanekak says the mere slap on the, on the wrist of ministers is speaking volumes about the impunity with they act with. The code of ethics by the executive was clearly overreached. We demand real action, not a mere non-payment of salary. Remove her and the president should also be reprimanded. Let me ask Stefani Fick. Uh, Stefani, uh, is, is this such a serious... I mean, when we look at all the serious allegations of corruption that abound... Is, is this something that is worth pursuing with, with vigor? I think I missed what South Africa is going through at the moment. It's like literally like a slap in the face. That, uh, you know, we, were, we, we can't travel with, you know, with the lockdown. And here is the minister charting a plan for I don't know what. Now, although... She, she got permission from, from um, the president. The question is, just a week before, if I'm not mistaken, the president was um, in, a, in a meeting, um, a virtual meeting, a very important virtual meeting. So why couldn't this be done, you know, um, um, via Zoom like everyone else? So why is there special treatment? And at the end of the day, this is taxpayers' money. We are not saying that she's not allowed to travel on this plane. What one is questioning is the reasoning behind it. And then you find, you know, a political party's delegation on exactly the same flight. So then you begin to wonder why was this plane then chartered? Wasn't there some ulterior motives? So I agree. I think three months' salary under these circumstances is not enough. I mean, we can't just um, pay our way out of uh, out of these um, um, acts and, 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 and what I want to call it illegal. Um, you know, you can't just pay your way out of it. I think it's hard time that there's accountability and that she should be removed. I mean, this, this should be an example. Is this an example for, for South Africans? I mean, is it an example for our youth? No. So, you know, it's a disappointment, I think. Faisal, what uh, more can Outer do? What are the plans? Um, Tom, we've, we've spoken to our, um, our colleagues at the parliamentary office and they've been saying that they've addressed um, the parliamentary committee before on the Minister of, of Defence budgets being too high. So what this letter that we addressed to the President, we want to address it to the parliamentary committee to um, reduce our budget for, um, for <laughs> what do I say, for our office, I don't know. Uh, the trip was to Zimbabwe, and Keith Sorensen asks, where are the minutes of the minister's meeting with her Zimbabwean counterpart? Now, while all the focus is on the flight and the cost of the flight and breach, uh, a breach of, of a code, uh, has there been anything uh, that's come out of that visit that you are aware of? Um, not that we are aware of, Tom. So she was supposed to respond to um, the president's request of why she attended the meeting. Um, so we, we hopefully will receive us from the president's office in terms of what our, uh, our answer was or a response was to this. Um, we, we, we're not really sure what, what the meeting entailed. And as the finalists pointed out, we've adapted um, with regard to lockdown and attended virtual meetings. Why couldn't she get a, attend a virtual meeting, a 24-hour trip? wasn't necessary for a one or two hour meeting in Zimbabwe. Stella Bean says it's an abuse of her power. She should be removed. Uh, Liz Kennedy, uh, Lynn Kennedy agrees, frankly, she should be fired, period. And I've got a feeling that uh, the outer panelists will agree with you tonight. Let's move on to our next topic, shall we, which is the Dudu Mieni appeal. 
against the finding and the sanction uh, call, uh, uh, saying that she is a delinquent director. Uh, you would have known and followed the case if you watched the outer hour for the last year. A lot of work went into it. The SAA Pilots Association brought the case against Ms. Miani and Outer joined the case. There was a lot of celebration on Outer's part when the victory came. But uh, you did expect, Stefani, didn't you, that there wouldn't, would be an appeal. And in the last week, we have seen that Ms. Miani uh, in, intends appealing the court ruling. What is the significance of heads of argument? I keep seeing this, this, this phrase, heads of argument, and, and, and I need an advocate to explain that to me, please. So that is what, um, you know, our advocates file the heads of argument and then we waited for Dudu's um, attorney and advocate to file their heads of argument. Now, heads of argument, I mean, I, I, I think it's probably more important to, 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 you know, the legal fraternity than anyone else's significance is probably highly overrated. But um, um, it is significant in the sense that, it, that this is sort of a summary of of your case of your of, of your points i mean you you can't go outside of the facts of the matter obviously but um um it is your chance to you know with a punchline tell a judge why you think that your application should should be successful or why uh, an application should be dismissed so a lot of effort go into drafting heads of argument um, and you know it's it's normally a nicely drafted document if if your if your advocates work for out of course and um, and and it really really just highlights your viewpoint and what the judge should consider so very important actually and why is that relevant when it comes to an appeal? Well, it's 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 part of the the process. It's actually um, part of um, um, you know the the, the court rules um, that you should file your your heads of argument. So, in in our matter, we filed our very pretty heads of argument, and then we received obviously Dudu's heads of arguments, and um, I think. You know what may be important is if you if you look at the at the difference. You know what we are saying and what they are saying, and 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 the back and forth. And then ultimately, it's the judge that needs to either grant leave and grant our Section 18 application, or or not. And if she doesn't, then this matter goes on appeal to the Supreme Court of Appeal. And what are the grounds uh, for the appeal by Ms. Miani? Um, I just have to warn you, Tom, please interrupt me because I can literally go on forever. So okay. um, basically what, what, what we are saying, <laughs> what we are obviously saying is that when you look at a, at a leave to appeal, there has to be, um, you know, there has to be a chance for her to succeed, that a, a, another court would come to a different conclusion. And what we are saying is, Absolutely not. If you if you go look at the record and the findings that the judge made, um, and the seriousness of, of of I want to call it crimes that she she committed, um, is that she has no chance. I am subjective because I do feel that we had a very strong case, and that's why she was declared a delinquent director. But we 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 deal in our heads with um, the fact that that a chance to success uh, on appeal is basically zero and then very importantly is our section um, um, the application for um, the order to be in place in other words the execution of the delinquency um, application in other words if if the if the court agrees with us what this will mean is that she will remain a delinquent director pending her appeal. So basically it will say, you know what, you can appeal up to the constitutional court if you can find uh, constitutional issues, but you will remain a delinquent director. Now what is interesting is obviously in their heads they say that the judge erred in making certain findings, that the judge is biased. I mean they made a big thing about the heads of argument that was duplication of, of our advocates' heads. They say that there's no reason or sectional circumstances to give this um, execution of the order. 
Um, but, you know, very interestingly, and there's, there's, there's quite a few things. But, for example, the execution um, of the order, there needs to be exceptional circumstances. We believe there are. If you just go read the record, the fact that she... Um, I, I mean, the judge says that she was a dishonest witness. Um, and we cannot stand by whilst, while there are directors of state-owned entities, you know, being, again, guilty of delinquent acts. We can't, you can't allow her to still be a director of Centlec while this appeal procedure um, continues. And the fact that she really went out of her way to waste time right from the start, um, this was, you know, there was, this was the subtle, uh, sometimes not even subtle, um, attempts to, to um, you know, to, to bring this process to, uh, to a halt. And we believe that this whole appeal process is just part of that. Um, and then the fact that, very importantly, um, there shouldn't be um, prejudice. And, 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 and we believe that the prejudice in this sense um, is more towards the public than it would be to her. You know what? Judy Mignani went to great lengths to explain to the court that she's poor, she doesn't have an income and, and all of that. In fact, she referred to, after she was confronted with her directorship at Centlic, referred to her salary that she gets as a mere stipend. Now, in her heads of argument, she wants to argue that if she is if she can't be a delinquent, if she can't be a director and is declared a delinquent director pending the appeal process, that that will be to her detriment. And that, um, for example, on St. Lex's board, that, you know, she did the stellar job. If we have time, I would like to just highlight, she again sort of lied to the court saying she has to be a director of St. Lex because St. Lex has been, has been faring so well. no. In fact, not the truth. So, um, you know what? In their heads, obviously, they disagree with everything I've just said and that, um, you know, the court erred and, 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 and all of that. In all fairness, if people really want to get an objective view, I, I invite you to go read our heads and do the heads on our website and sort of make up your own mind. But I firmly believe that you will agree with us, that we have a good case and that we are really looking forward to it because we think that the court will agree with us as well. She has the right under law to appeal uh, the judgment. What does uh, an appeal cost? I mean, if this goes all the way to the Constitutional Court, for example, we see appeals going all the way to past the appeals court through to the Constitutional Court. W what kind of money is attached to legal costs to take uh, uh, an appeal to the Constitutional Court? Well, let me. I'm, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm a pessimist, but um, um, in in this case, I don't think she'll go all the way to the constitutional court. If you want to appeal to the constitutional court, you have to base your appeal on some type of constitutional issue, and 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 there's just none in this case. I have no idea. It it will not probably won't stop them to try, but um, there's no constitutional grounds. But obviously. Each and every time you put your foot in a court and you have to pay, uh, have to pay counsel, then it costs you money. So you you literally um, talking probably millions. We we are extremely lucky, except for the fact that we are backed by the most incredible supporters ever, best ever. Is that our advocates are working for us at a reduced um, 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 cost. So. Um, you know, on the one hand, yes, legal costs are expensive, and this is costing her money. I don't know who's footing the bill. Maybe she doesn't have to worry about the bill. Someone else is paying. Um, but um, and we need to look. But this is a, a worthy cause, and um, you know, and, and and we're extremely lucky that we have wonderful counsel, Advocate Steinberg and her two junior counsel that is absolutely fantastic and are willing to um, do this do this for us. But I'm positive. I believe that she will not be granted appeal and then if she petitions the Supreme Court of Appeal that they will also not grant her petition. So maybe the legal cost will be not that much because there will be no court action. 
Stefani, what does Outer have to do now, uh, you, your, your advocates and your lawyers? Is there still work ahead? Have you had to do any work once she lodged an appeal? What, take us through the legal process. So, um, firstly, it was the heads of argument. A, a lot of work goes into heads of argument, you can imagine. You have a few pages in order to convince the judge why first relief should not be granted or why relief should be granted. Now that has been filed. Now our the council must, with the council of Ms. Mieni, need to file a joint practice note. That is also just part of the process. Um, and it basically sets out who the advocates are, sort of the points that's, um, uh, if there's points that they agree on, points that they do not agree on, um, and then basically telling the judge how long the argument um, will take, because this will all go back to the judge, and the judge will have to allocate time for the argument. Um, so this is basically, again, you know, a few pages just to tell the judge how much time does she need to give um, for, for arguments, because they still need to to also argue the matter. That's why heads are so important because that limits the the, the, the argument in front of the, the judge who's got a, you know, most probably a heavy court role and so forth. So, um, uh, you know what, Faisal, is there anything else that I have forgotten? I, I think that is what counsel is currently busy with is this joint practice note. Is there anything that, that I'm missing? Um, Rosafani, I think you've covered everything. Um, we're just waiting for the allocation of a date, hopefully now in the fourth term for the matter. Yeah, and hopefully the matter will also be heard in the fourth term, which is now. Stefani, I have two questions. I'm going to get back to the timing in just a moment. But uh, when the judgment was handed down, it was reported as a scathing judgment. Does that give us any idea as South Africans where the judge will lean when it comes to an, an appeal? Or is it something that you really have to wait until the judge rules? Sorry, before... I answer the question. I just want to say hi to my cat that I think is there in the background. Oh, I yes. Don't know who can no, see I, well, <laughs> yeah, hold on. Move the other way so we can actually see that cat of yours. Very sweet. It's busy, it's busy preparing its bed for the night, isn't it? <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, another member of Alta. Um, um, and sorry, now for, um, let me just um, uh, get my head around what you were. I was referring back to the judgment which was described as a scathing judgment uh, at the time. Does that give us an idea yes. of, of where the judge will lean when it comes to an appeal? Yeah, sorry. A judge gets put in a very difficult position when it comes to leave to appeal. Because it's basically, you know, our law, um, you have processes. And, and, and if there's a judgment, you can appeal or you can review a decision. Now, basically, what a, 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 judge, a, a judge has to do, or a magistrate, or he, whoever, is to sort of review their own decision in order to establish whether, you know, someone can be granted leave to appeal. So, it is a very difficult position a judge is in, because a judge has just said, scathing, um, scathing judgments. Judah um, uh, is dishonest, she's the delinquent director, and she should be banned from being a director for the rest of her life which is extremely serious. So now the judge needs to sort of sit back objectively think, but would a judge, another judge come to a different conclusion? But thank goodness we have, um, you know, there's still good judges on, 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 on the bench, bench and that's part of the job. So um, I do believe that, again, in, in, in my view, trying to look at it objectively, but I will always remain subjective, is that there is no um, basis for relief to appeal. So that's why I, in my, my heart of heart, I, I, I believe that the, the judge objectively, on the facts before her, will say that there's no grounds for leave to appeal. But we'll have to wait and see. But really not a very lacquer position for a judge to be in. They have to be sort of try and be objective. But uh, that is, uh, I want to reiterate, what a judge do on a daily basis. Is they listen to, you know, two sides of the story and need to decide which one is, sure. um, you know, they're going to go for. So, see, see, <clears throat> not see, the, the other side of me thinks that the more serious the judgment, the more seriously the judge has to look at that judgment and an appeal. Yes, of course. Um, this is a civil judgment. 
And then, of course, uh, declaring someone a delinquent director is, is serious because that is what we hope for. There's some accountability. But may I use, for example, a criminal ju uh, judgment as an example where someone faces 15 years in, 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 in jail? So giving judgment and listening to, to, to facts is a very serious matter. I mean, you need to take your, your, your job very seriously. And, and, but luckily, again, you know, thank goodness for um, a, a great constitution. And I do believe in our criminal justice system. Sometimes the, you know, there's nothing wrong with the system. It's the people using the system. Um, and, 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 and thank goodness there's some hope. Because I think in, in, in terms of the criminal justice system, we've, we've, we're starting to see um, some um, good things happening and extremely good news. And I think Rudy will share all the, the good news when, when he speaks to you. Um, but you, you know what? I, I, I really think that justice will prevail. And, 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 and that is the most important. Let's look at a couple of comments and questions coming in from the Outer Hour viewers. Michael Fanikak says, all of a sudden, she has legal fees when she claimed poverty. Uh, Dennis Rousseau, uh, that's a previous story, my apologies. Michael Fanikak says, she was again acting with impunity, wasted hours of the court's time, and if I were a pilot of SAA, I would demand my salary from her in her personal capacity. Esme van Heerdens talking about Mr. Linnell, who has been testifying at the State Capture Commission, I think it is, uh, recently, saying Mr. Linnell sunk Duru's ship. It is too late for her. Um, Michael says she cries about the judgment because in her view it was a copy and paste judgment. Your comments on that? What does that mean, copy and paste judgment? Copy and paste. Copy and paste. I think what they're hinting about is biased, that the, the court is biased and that, um, you know, um, the Supreme Court of Appeal has previously said that you can't just copy and paste. May I just say the following is that all the legal and factual conclusions that the judge made was her own conclusions. I mean, if you read the judgment, um, when she draws certain conclusions, that's her job. That was her own words. The problem comes in, and, 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 and I just want to remind everybody that um, before the judgment, um, we, our advocates and Judas advocates had an opportunity to file heads of argument. And we obviously, again, filed beautiful heads of argument, but the other side decided to, you know, um, file, um, let me, let me not be critical, filed their heads of, 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 of argument. And we really put some effort into guiding the court, pointed to, 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 to pages and all, of, and, 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 and all of that. And it is, I think, normal in judgments to try and summarize. You know, the fact that's not in dispute and all of that is to take that from the heads and, 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 and summarize and, and, and what is wrong with that. So um, you cannot say that because someone used some of the, the summaries of the fact that's neither here nor there um, in order to come to the most important part, that screams bias. In fact, um, they've never alleged bias during the, the, the court proceedings. Plus, in all honesty, sort of to, uh, to, to, to our detriment, and I was angry quite a few times, the judge bent backwards for Miss Mieni. She was, the judge said on so many times to her legal counsel, please can't Miss Mieni be in court so that you can take proper instructions, so that you can cross-examine the witnesses. We've postponed this matter because Miss Mieni wasn't at court. And that was all due to the judge trying to be fair and to now call her bias. Uh, in, in all honesty, I think you're grasping at straw. Sharon Brin says her name has been mentioned so many times in the Zondo Commission, she doesn't stand a chance. Does any of the testimony that has come up at the Zondo Commission have any bearing on the court case? And conversely, does the court case, the judgment, have any bearing on or, or influence uh, at the Zondo Commission? Or are they two separate things? It's two separate things. I think the Zondo Commission is in a different position in the sense that because the is still continuing. 
they may, um, you know, look at, you know, the SAA and the delinquency going on there and still call um, certain witnesses. They can properly take cognizance of, of the evidence that was led in, in, in this matter to certain degree, because the objective of the, the, the commission is totally different. Unfortunately, the judge in, 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 in our matter, Judge Tolmay, cannot take into consideration anything that was said at the State Capture Commission. Um, except for the fact that we are now at an appeal phase, you can't go outside of the corners of the record. So nothing outside of the record um, can be taken into consideration. Um, a, a court is very much bound by what is said in a court, either on the papers um, or in testimony. So, um, no. Um, I, and, I, and I don't envy judges and I don't envy Judge Tomei because it's extremely difficult and that's why they are, you know, um, um, they've got such an important position to fill and that they, they, there shouldn't be any signs of bias because, you know, if they read an article in the newspaper, um, they can't form their own um, opinion if it's got bearing on a matter that they're busy with. In, 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 in fact, they can't take any of that into consideration and actually, should actually not read anything that can, you know, um, on, a, on a certain level have an, a, an effect on their judgment. They can only concentrate on the facts that's before them. So, no, unfortunately, she can't. What's next, Stefani? Well, next is we winning again. Short, next is that. Sweet. The, yeah. <laughs> No, I, what's next is that we will, the judge will give us an indication as to when she wants to hear um, arguments. I don't think it will be, um, if you have to, if I have to guess, I, uh, the, the judge initially said, Faisal, I think she said she'll give us half a day. I think yes. at the end she'll probably give us a, a, a day, you know. Um, you know, something like three or four hours for, for our council and three or four, four hours for Judy Mignani's council. And then we wait for, for her judgment. All right, and you'll keep us updated, of course, on the outer hour as this case proceeds. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about what half the country is talking about at the moment, and that is the arrests we've seen lately. Last week we were wondering where is Clive Beckett, because since Outer Hour started we've had one viewer who keeps saying, when will we see arrests, asking the question. Uh, and last week when we were looking at uh, and examining the arrests, we missed Clive Beckett, but I see Clive has joined us. Clive says, clever lady, well done ma'am, and I guess he's you're the only ma'am on tonight, Stefani, so I think that comment is directed at you. And then everyone goes, oh, Clive, how are you doing? So let's talk about uh, the arrests that we've seen last week in connection with Bosasa. And then today we saw that former VBS Mutual Bank Chief Financial Officer Philip Truter was sentenced to an effect of seven years in prison for his role in looting the bank. Uh, I believe that was a plea uh, deal. Uh, and today, National Prosecuting Authority boss Shamila Batoy has warned that the days of acting with impunity by those who break the law are now limited. She was addressing the port uh, Parliament Portfolio Committee for Justice and Correctional Services against the backdrop of high-profile arrests relating to the multi-million rand asbestos tender in the Free State. Her address was part of the MPA's presentation of its annual report on Wednesday. Uh, let's start with uh, Rudy Heinecke, shall we, and just get your take on the arrests that we've seen in the last week or so. Rudy, your comment, please. Yes, Tom, I think, uh, you know, it was a, a feel-good time and a period for South Africans. Um, like you've said, and like life uh, always asks, you know, when, uh, when will the arrests start and, and, and when will people get arrested? We have seen action and, you know, uh, it is not only uh, the, the Free State 7. We, you know, there's, there's a lot more that happened in the past few weeks. Uh, and I think it started off with, uh, you know, the, the police markings, that tender, um, where there were, I think there's now 43 people that's uh, arrested. Um, that's, you know, in front of court. Uh, we're talking about the Richard Mudluli uh, sentence, uh, five years in jail. Um, we're talking about uh, the uh, 
appeal that was overturned and the case that will carry on against Mr. Pandey there in KwaZulu-Natal, you know, corruption going back way back to the 2010 Soccer World Cup. Um, we, like you said now, the VBS uh, CFO that pleaded guilty today. And then um, I think over the weekend it was a municipal manager in Lipopo also arrested. So it's a good, it's a feel good time for South Africans. Um, and I think that uh, what is happening, uh, you know, must encourage people and, 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 and they must agree that uh, the, the, the NPA came out of their blocks and, and the Hawks are coming out, coming out of their blocks and they're starting to, to really, uh, you know, put the, put the people um, in, in handcuffs and uh, they must appear and they will get charged. So, yes, I think it is uh, it's a good time for us, Tom. Rudy, uh, you know, Outer's slogan is behind us here. It's your mission uh, to hold government to account. Who are the government officials or politicians, let's say the top four or five, that you would like to see arrested? Tom, uh, speaking from a, a, you know, a pure state capture point of view with regards to, uh, I think, you know, leaning more over to the, to the Gupta uh, uh, side of state capture, I think the number one, that uh, and the former number one, uh, Jacob Zuma, you know, it was very hard in the beginning for us to pinpoint something specifically on it. But now, as you can see at the Zonda, more testimony that come out and say, listen, this really got involved with uh, uh, the affairs of the day of, of different SOEs. For example, now the, uh, um, I think it was two, three days, uh, testimony at the Zonda Commission saying that Zuma was part and parcel, organized by our good friend Dudumiyeni, you know, and seeing that members of the board, uh, Mr. Nick Linnell testified that he was there and they prepared the plan there on Zuma's instruction to, to fire the top executives of uh, ESCOM at that stage. Um, we've also seen before in, in, in the Dudumiyeni case, you know, Zuma's involvement, phoning, say, listen, do not sign the Emirates deal. Uh, she denied that in court, but I think, uh, uh, you know, we, we all know that there was communication between her and the, and the former president. So for us, you know, uh, the former number one is still our number one on our list. But uh, politicians-wise, I would also, you know, uh, put in the same uh, bracket there, uh, people like Malusi Gigaba. He was all over the show, you know, uh, public enterprises minister, home affairs minister later for a short stint, the minister of finance. Um, uh, fingerprints are all, are all over state capture. Uh, I've got no doubt about it. Um, uh, you know, and, and if we look back at previous judgments, perjury, uh, where they found that he, he lied to court uh, with regards to the Fireblade uh, saga at uh, Oartambo uh, Airport when he was Minister of Home Affairs. So Malusiki Gaba's fingerprints are all over the all over state capture. Um, the other guy is Mosa Ben Zizwane, also, you know, uh, all over the show. From the days uh, in the Free State when he was still at MEC, and we've heard at the uh, State Capture Commission his testimony when he was the MEC for Human Settlements, he didn't even know about the Housing Act. So, um, you know, from those days, back in the days when he was MEC at, uh, for, for, for Human Settlements, uh, MEC for Agriculture, you know, got involved with this, you know, got graphic gratification from from the uh, Guptas, went to Dubai, went to uh, uh, India, Delhi, got medical treatment on, uh, and the Guptas paid for that, went to Zurich, you know, he was the guy that initiated the interministerial committee on the banks, that, uh, when the banks closed um, uh, the Guptas account. So, Mosa is one also on the, you know, on our top five list. Um, I think, you know, if, if we can uh, keep it in the free state, I don't think there's any doubt about his involvement. We've heard in the asbestos matter, the, the uh, testimony that was led at the Zondo Commission. Uh, I, I do believe that uh, the Estino matter is, you know, a big block around his neck. Um, I have got no doubt that uh, you will find Ismachashuli's fingerprints all over state capture as well. Well, I want to ask and you, then, uh, yeah, sorry, carry on, Rudy. Yes. No, 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 no. I think just to, to, to quickly, uh, our number five on the list, uh, I will not, you know, uh, pass Lynn Brown. Uh, maybe, you know, we haven't heard 
so much about Lynn Brown. She kept in the, uh, herself in the background. But uh, information is there. Uh, I've seen it. Uh, we know about it. You know, her involvement, especially with the appointment of boards, the Denel board, the ESCOM board, uh, also fingerprints all over the show. And um, that is our top five list. Zuma, Gigaba, Makhashule, Zwane and uh, Lynn Brown. Yet if you read the newspapers and go through the news sites, one name seems to be taking uh, precedence, and that is Ace Magashula's name. We see it uh, every, every day. Now, the list of names that's coming across my screen from viewers is long, and there are many names. Why, why would one person yes. be singled out or pop, pop up as, as, uh, as uh, public enemy number one uh, at the moment? Well, I think two reasons. Uh, one is that we, we all know, um, you know that Ace Makhashule is in the front of the pushback. And if we talk about the pushback is to get the current administration and the current executives, um, the president out of here and, and say, listen, uh, let's get him removed as the ANC president as well as the country's president. So he's in that charge of removing Ramaphosa. The other thing is that, uh, you know, I think in the free state, he ruled with an iron hand. And um, people in the free state, MECs, politicians there, uh, government officials, they were all afraid of Ismaqashule. And I, you know, the blatancy that he, that he used his office. Um, you know, letters uh, written by uh, a Gupta, Ashok Narayan, uh, for the signature of, of the Premier, assisted by um, Ace's son uh, and, and his PA um, to invite Indian delegates to, to the free state and so forth. So, you know, he was just, um, I think, a very, very close ally of the Guptas. And um, that makes him, uh, you know, enemy number one in the eyes of the public. Rudy, uh, how's his feeling about the MPA? Or in fact, before we get to that question, let me ask you this one. There were reports over the last 24 hours that uh, a warrant of arrest was being or was going to be issued for Ace Magashule. And then there was all sorts of confusion after that. Different media houses reporting different stories. Uh, Magashule's lawyers saying, no, we haven't uh, had any, uh, any indication that a warrant of arrest has been offered. Yet if you read another news uh, outlet, they'll say, well, well yes, we heard we heard that a, a warrant was being issued. Is there any clarity on whether a, a warrant was being or is being uh, issued? And I'm, I'm not sure whether you want to answer this or Stefani Fick. You go first and then I, I'll, I'll pose a similar question to Stefani. Um, Tom, our information is that it was fake news. A big pity that it was fake news, I must add. Uh, I would have liked it to be, you know, real, uh, true news uh, that there's a warrant uh, for his arrest out there. Um, but I think, um, you know, we've discussed it today uh, as well. Um, the media houses or the media house that broke that story has gone uh, on the side paths before. And um, that is a pity that the media will break such a story, you know, give people hope. Other people will get uh, very, very grumpy and agitated and, and furious because their leader is going to be arrested. So uh, I do hope that in future the media, if they uh, and, and when they report, that it will be, you know, a true re reflection of what, what is happening and what is really happening, uh, especially in this space. Stefani, you've worked uh, at the MPA. Uh, what is the normal process when it comes to arresting someone? Would the MPA uh, offer a, extend an offer to, to, to a suspect uh, and, and say, come in and talk to us? Uh, or would the first indication that you're in trouble be a warrant uh, for your arrest? And if so, how is that issued? What, take us through the process so we can understand it a bit better. Um, it really... Um... <sighs> I'm going to try and be short. Um, it really depends on on on, on the facts. Um, so, in in terms of state capture, unfortunately, the cases are a bit old. Plus, a lot of the accused is probably not a flight risk because bail and keeping someone in custody is about you know are you going to attend your trial. So it's not impossible. I mean, um, when um, 
I was still at the ECCU and you deal with the Specialized Commercial Crime Unit, when you deal with exorbitant amounts of fraud, what you would do is you issue a J50, which is also a, a, a warrant of arrest, um, or the type that you would issue. You can, you can either get someone in court by way of a summons or a, a, a warrant of arrest, which is usually a J50. You get also get a bench warrant, which means you didn't go to court. In other words, the court is already in session, you're already an accused, and then the day that the court told you to be in court, you decide not to pitch, then the court can issue a bench warrant. So the warrants we're talking about here is your J50 warrants of arrest. Okay. You must also remember that the police can just arrest someone if he if he's got grounds to arrest. But it, it like I said, I'm going to go back to it depends on the on 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 the facts. Unfortunately, important people sometimes do get treated differently. It gets me, but uh, you know it, it, they do. So it does happen that they will phone an accused who's not a flight risk to say, please, can you come to the police station? We will arrest you. We'll take you to court where an accused person will get a warrant of arrest. Warrant of arrest normally is issued in, in cases of serious offenses. So for corruption, for fraud, for, you know, the type of matters that you're talking about in state capture, warrants, a warrant of arrest. If you ask me, it also warrants that a guy, um, that the police just go to a guy's house, arrest him, let him go through the process and apply for um, um, a bail like everyone else um, um, because it's, it's, it's serious offences. And let a court decide whether you, you can get out on bail or not. But it's not impossible for someone to get phoned. But they get phoned by the police, not by the NPA. Does and that make sense? It does. Thank you. Uh, what, 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 what happens when the NPA, like today, come out with a statement to say, no, there is no warrant for arrest, that was fake news? Does that mean tomorrow there could be a warrant for arrest? Or when the NPA say, no, there is no warrant, what kind of indication does that give us as far as case building is concerned at the NPA? Specifically with regards I, to Ace Magashule. I think we can... We can, um, you know, I think everyone has got an opinion as to why that happened. I mean, I think I read on social media that it is, you know, the Mahashulik camp that's trying to rally the troops in order for, if, if he is arrested, that, you know, that there's some sympathy. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I wonder if a warrant of arrest is not on the courts. In other words, if you, I mean, ask Rudy, is Rudy, is there? a case against Ace Machashule. So I do think that, and, and maybe I'm just, yeah, I'm just the, the optimist, but I wonder if there is not something in, 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 in the pipeline and that's somewhere in the very near future there's going to be a warrant. Well, let's ask Rudy that question. Is there any indication, Rudy, or are you able to say that there is a case being built against Ace Machashule? Yeah, Tom, um Surely, uh, I, I have no doubt. Um, if we go back to, to what the, the testimony that was led at the State Capture Commission, um, it was an indication that in the asbestos matter, there was a payment made to a certain AM a spreadsheet where there was an uh, indication that AM received 10 million rand. Now, uh, nobody wants to say who's AM and everybody is, you know, beating around the bush. But my feeling is that you've seen the seven people sitting there in the bench for the, for the asbestos case, that somebody is turning state with this, and somebody is making a deal with, uh, the, with the NPA. So listen, you know what? Same what happened with the uh, VBS guy today. Uh, I will give you the story if you um, are a bit softer on me. And that is a question. Uh, the other thing is uh, related to Ace Mahashule is, um, is, is, and I, I'm using the words fingerprints a lot tonight, but his fingerprints are on the Astina matter as well. I think everybody read in the, in the media in the last week, questions being asked, you know, after the cancellation of the Astina uh, contract, there was still 150 million rand paid to this company, to Astina. And, uh, uh, and that happened 
under the uh, uh, when when Ashok Shuli was still the, the the premier of the Free State. And the question is, why didn't he stop? I mean, 130 million rand is a lot of money. Um, so yes, uh, I think if you ask me, are they building a case against Ace Makhachule? For sure. I don't have any doubt about that. When it will happen, that is a, that is a very good question. But what I want to say, and, and um, you know, I've had a lot of interactions with the NPA and with the investigating directorate over the past few months. And thing that they are very certain about and very sure about is to say, listen, we are not going to arrest just to, 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 be, to, to, to make the public happy. When we uh, arrest people, we will have a solid case. Hermione uh, Cronier, you know, said to us that, um, you know, when we arrest him, we must actually be able to hand over the docket. That must be the mm. how advanced the case will be. Stefani will tell you, you know, from, from a prosecutor's point of view, how important it is for a doctor to be very complete and uh, uh, that you can't slip up. Because you must remember one thing, Tom, and that is that these guys, they are not going to get second and third ranking lawyers and, and advocates to, uh, to defend them. They are going to get the best. So the, the NPA must be up for that challenge and they must prepare and they must be ready to to face that challenge to to, to go up against the big country and that it is that is why and i think that is also uh coming back to Hermione Cronier's us you know having a complete docket uh the, the investigation must be done uh that is why it's taking so long as well to go to court especially in cases with uh you know investigation not being done properly Donnie Duval asks, what can we do to ensure Shamila Batoy gets the funds to do what she must do? I saw a report, I think, that in the last 24 hours or so, that uh, I think the amount was 800 million is needed to uh, run effectively uh, as the MPA. Is there anything that South African citizens can do to make sure that the MPA gets the correct amount of funds to function? Is that our job? Is it our is, well, I think Shamila must, and I think she, that's exactly what she did today in Parliament, is to um, tell everybody why they need the money. And everybody in the country is crying for, for prosecutions and people to get charged and uh, orange overalls to be dished out and so forth. Uh, but it's, it's costing and, and like I just said now, you know, you are going up against the best. And the, the NPA or the IB, that matter, employed some really heavyweights as well. And those guys come with you know, a, a, a really big price tag. So uh, she needs the money. And I think if she, uh, you know, motivates it well enough, uh, the Minister of Finance will, you know, uh, budget. For a long time, there have been rumblings that we have politicians, businessmen, etc., who feel that they are above the law. Do you think that those days are coming to an end or have come to an end? Short and sweet, yes. And then, and then Rudy, what can yeah. we expect with the, the state capture cases? You know, the state capture testimony continues and becomes more and more interesting by the day. Where, where is the state capture uh, going in terms of court cases? Can we expect any court cases to come out of the state capture testimony? What's the latest? Look, I think the, the, um, the asbestos is, is a very good example of uh, you know, it started way back and, and, and with a book that was written by Peter Louis Mayberg, um, you know, about the free state and what happened in the free state, the gangster, gangster paradox. Um, and we've, we've heard all these people testifying at the State Capture Commission, and I think you know, a blind man can fill it with a stick, but some of them just, you know, the answers they gave there was just uh, up to no good, and they implicated themselves. They tried to pass the buck, and they didn't know, and, you know, actually, I'm, I'm referring back to Mosa Benzies one, he didn't even know about the legislation and stuff like that. Mm. So there is a very role for this, for this on the And exactly this, you know, we can do a lot of investigations. The NPA can do a lot of investigations. The whole can investigate. 
But there are certain holes that this, the Zondo Commission just fall for us and make it easier for us. And then the other thing, of course, is that now that the NPA can have access to the information of the Zondo Commission and can utilize the services of personnel there, um, I think things will uh, you know, pick up speed as well. Because I can just imagine, you know, the, the, the enormous amount of data and information that the Zondo Commission is sitting with. And previously, they, they were gagged. They couldn't share it with anybody. Yeah. And now they can uh, with the NPA. And I think that is a very, very, very positive step. Let me ask uh, the final question and pose it to, to Stefani. Stefani, in, in your experience uh, and, and, and watching what's going on at the moment, uh, will we see, you know, whenever I think of corruption, I think of it takes two to tango. You, you've got the corrupt government employee or politician on one side, and then you've got business people. I, I don't know whether business people is the right word. You know, pseudo business people engaged in these corrupt activities. When we see politicians being arrested, does that mean that we'll see the other side being arrested and charged too? They, they, they should be, because rightly so, corruption takes, always takes two parties. And, um, you know, what I was sort of um, scared at some point is that you'll get the, the, the I'll say the little guys, you know, the unimportant um, um, accused taking the fall for, um, you know, for the corruption and state capture and all of that. Um, uh, but happy to see that, you know, some of the bigger names are getting arrested. So hopefully the MPA will continue uh, um, to really hold the culprits to account. Uh, I do think with the asbest, uh, um, asbestos case, mm-hmm. um, um, is that all the parties are, 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 are being collected, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, my question is just always, who do you hold more responsible? Both of them are, are guilty. But who do you hold responsible more than the other one? Is the government officials. Because in my mind, those are the ones that, um, you know, me and you trust in order to deal um, with our business on our behalf. Um, so although in law there is probably not a difference between the two, I do think ethically and morally that there is a, 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 a there's a duty on on government officials to look after our um, our best interest. And if they are corrupt, they need to be held accountable. Obviously, with the other part. Got it. Plenty of comments coming in from our viewers tonight. Thank you for the comments that have flowed into the show uh, and I've been reading every one of them as I could tonight. I know that the outer team, Samantha and Iva, have been answering and sending links to the heads of arguments, for example, on the outer site. Do take a look at that. If you haven't been to outer.coza, log on to outer.coza and take a look at what outer does for civil society. There's plenty of information on the outer.coza site. So firstly, thank you to you watching the program for participating and watching and engaging and asking the questions and making the comments. Uh, And let's wrap up with final comments from the outer team tonight. Let's start with Faisal Davids. Faisal, your final comments, your closing comments for our Outer Hour viewers, please. Cheers, guys. Thanks for for, for tuning in and watching us on this Wednesday night. And yeah, stay blessed. Well, you stay blessed too, Faisal. Thank you. And uh, Rudy Heineke, your final comments for the viewers tonight? Uh, all of you remember to wear a... Uh, oh, uh, I see what you're doing Fridays, here. Uh, ah. To support the uh, uh, Orange Overalls campaign. And until next time, uh, keep safe. Thank you, Rudy, and I'll see you. I'll see your mask and raise you one, so to speak, because I've got my this a horrid thing. This it covers my whole face. But anyway, better safe than sorry. Uh, Stefani Fick, your final comments, closing comments for our outer hour viewers this evening. There's my heart, heart to all of you guys, to all of you listening to us every Wednesday for all your comments. And for all our lovely supporters, again, without you, we won't be able to sit here and talk about all our successes because it's your support that makes it possible for us to do what we love. So thank you very much. Like everyone says, stay blessed, enjoy the evening, and 
Is the ball rolling? Before before I let you go, is the NPA ball now rolling? Can we expect more? Oh yes. Uh, maybe you only see like a little ball now, but if you, if you look in the in the all the criminals should look in their rearview rear mirror. That ball is coming, and it's going to roll over each and every one of the, the the criminals. I firmly believe that. And I see uh, out of saying, don't forget your orange mask on Friday. And Leslie Barnes says, where can I get a mask, an orange mask? <laughs> I'm going to ask the same question. Where are we able to get orange masks? Perhaps Sam or Ivor will Just put in an answer. Is it? Ask Samantha van Nispen, the, uh, the supplier of masks, it seems. Thank you, Rudy. Thanks, Faisal. Thank you, Stefani. And a good night to you. And especially to you at home, wherever, wherever you're watching from. We have countless viewers who watch from South Africa. Thousands will watch over the next couple of days. And many join us from across the oceans. So if you're watching from outside of our borders, a very special thank you to you. A huge thank you if you've watched the show live tonight. And a big, big thank you if you've pressed play post-live and you've watched the show after its live broadcast. We do appreciate every single push of the play button, as we do appreciate every push of the like and share button. So if you haven't pressed like or share, please do so now. Let's get this broadcast out to as many people as possible. And don't forget, if you haven't watched or haven't been to the Outer website, then pop along to outer.coza, where you can learn a whole lot more about the work that Outer does. This show is brought to you by Outer. It is brought broadcast on Radio Today out of the Radio Today studios in Johannesburg. I'm your host, Tom London. I'll be back with you again next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Let's make it a date, shall we? And uh, tell, a, tell a few friends and family members about the show and get them to come along and join us and become a regular viewer of Outer Hour every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Until next Wednesday, I wish you a safe week. I hope you make a few rands. Keep the food going in the grocery cupboard and keep the spirits up. Until... Excuse me, until then, I miss you already. Our fight to eradicate. Join Outer now and become part of the solution. To join Outer, go to outer.coza and press the Join Now button.